John Cena. Paying homage to my buddy around the show, usually here. Almost 8 o'clock, which is the out-of-left-field question. Somebody could step up. It is not sponsored to continue down that road. Um, so a lot of nails are being chewed right now. There's 15.1 seconds left in this A&M Corpus Christi game versus Southeast Missouri State. Did they get a turnover? They call a foul. I think they called a foul. So they went to trap him in the corner, and they called a foul on uh, on Southeast Missouri. Borderline steal, though. Could have been. Oh, man. The coach even, like, he gave that walk where you think you almost have it. And then just kind of, oh, no. He's got a lot of neck. He's got a lot of, I mean, he's just a tall cow. Is he from a baller? That's almost like Davis Mills. Like, that's a lot of neck for the head coach at Southeast Missouri State. As A&M Corpus Christi will have two free throws coming up. Um, They've been pretty good free throws down the line, but they missed a couple. All game long. I'd love to him just miss one of these. Of course not. Which this is where like March gets really interesting before we get into this out of left field question. But this is where March gets interesting because here's where you get that like heroic heave at the buzzer and it swishes and you're like, all right. And then the tweets all come out. March has officially begun or let the madness begin because if he misses this, I don't know if they have any timeouts left, but he didn't miss it. So it's a three point game, 13.9. It would appear they're going for the three. As they lag it up the court, there's a little bit of confusion. He steps back, and he misses. Game over. Damn it! The frustration on Dusty's face right now, for all the people who obviously can't see it, man, never seen a man so mad. They choked! That stupid point guard got nervous. Tried to hit a James Harden, Luka Doncic step back, and he completely missed it. It's not your fault, young man. You'll be all right. It's my fault for betting. Out of left field, 8 o'clock question. It's March 14th, which means it's Pi Day. 913-586-7610. What is your go-to or favorite pie? Here's the only caveat. You can't say pizza. I'm not letting you be that lazy. Because to me, there is no better pie on the face of the earth than a Tippins French silk pie. That nice little chocolate layer on that buttery graham cracker crust with the nice little whipped cream and those little chocolate chevons they put on top of it. Oh, now they miss a free throw. Yeah. Now he misses it. 75-71 final score. Islanders beat the Cardinals. Or the birds or the whatever they are. Doesn't really matter. But the out of left field question, what is your go-to or favorite pie? 913, you have to be out of your mind if you think that I'm reading that out loud. And I'm a man of being loose on this show. But if I had to do my top three, I'll give them to you. French Silk's number one from Tippins. Or if somebody made a homemade French silk pie out of this world. Number two, key lime pie. Big key lime pie fan. Number three, 
Number three, my stepmother makes this pie. It's like a Whopper's pie, so it's like a malt pie with, like, ice cream and, and the Whopper candies inside of it with whipped cream and chocolate chevals on top. From the 785, you have the same answer as the 913. I cannot read that on the air. If I'm going top three pies. Yeah. What are Blake's top three pies? I'm a little I'm a little boring, but I love a classic pumpkin. It's a little dollop of the whipped cream, but not too much whipped cream where it's overtaking all the pumpkin. All right. Uh, second, I oh. like key lime pie. It's a little tart. I'm not a huge overly saturated sweets guy like some like mm. like you yourself, Dusty. Sometimes the chocolate can get a little rich for Blake. Okay. A little too much. And then yeah. uh, for number three, can I say Frito? Frito pie? Good Frito pie is delicious. Mm. That's like where you put the Fritos, the chili, and then just layer it. Which essentially is just chili, but mm. it's all the layering process. I know, because that's kind of how I would. That's kind of how I. Uh, how I do my chili these days as I start with the bowl, put the, the Fritos on the bottom, load the chili, cheese, jalapeno, and uh, a little bit of a, a little sour cream. So you got the reverse Frito pie. Text, text lines getting real frothy out here, aren't they? Yeah, they're dirty. A lot of dirty texts coming in. You're really making my job hard. Top five, apple crumble with ice cream, French silk chocolate pie, peanut butter cup pie, coconut cream pie, cherry pie. With ice cream. From the 785, peach crumble. This is a good one here from the 816, chicken pot pie. I really have a, a love-hate relationship with chicken pot pies. Because you know how you can buy those little ones at the store? But if you cook them in the oven, it takes 45 minutes. Then you have to let it set for another six and a half, seven minutes or you're going to burn the piss out of your tongue. You're eating molten lava. It's basically like the middle of a of a uh, hot pocket. I like this one. 816. I'm a simple man. Just give me a fresh warm apple pie. I'll give you a shout out to my grandma's banana cream pie too. Banana Not- cream's pretty good, especially if there's at those like vanilla wafers like on the side like making your, you know, uh Making your you crust. Improvise your crust with uh, the vanilla wafers. Not seeing any pecan pies on here. No, it's trash. I love pecan. Oh, my, my family makes a hell of a pecan pie. See, too rich. It's just like melted sugar with a ton of pecans, which is pecan pie. And ice cream. Yeah. Peach crumble. Can't read that text, 323. I keep seeing that text. I've never even heard it put that way. Mm-hmm. Um. American pie is the best, Dusty. Okay. Again, I don't know if that's sexual, but we got in trouble a long time ago about trying to keep this show a little bit PG-13. I'll never be PG. I can't go rated R because of of rules. My buddy Robert says strawberry cream pie. Especially from Bradley's in North Topeka. I don't know what that one is. Shout out Northside. Somebody says Dutch apple with some strussel or whatever you call it. Strussel. From the 816, Legend Likens, does tiramisu count as pie? I don't know. Because I don't know if it's a pie or if it's a cake. What's crazy is that there's a really addicting cookie place called Crumble Cookie. I don't know if you've ever had it. 
Um, I can only eat a half of one of those cookies because other than that, I'll just, my ankles will swell and my blood sugar will thin. And uh, they have like right now, like they have these like pop-up things to where like you can just, you know, your location has a different mystery pie. And uh, this week in Lee Summit, it's, uh, or at least at one location, it's Boston Cream Pie Cookie. And they, like, build their pie like a crust, like the, the cookie's an actual crust, and then it has, like, pie fill. And they have a French silk one. In fact, the State Line uh, Crumble Cookie, their mystery cookie is French silk. And if they were open at the time that I got off work, I would stop by and get three. From the 605, the Rock likes all kinds of pie. Yes, he does. We know exactly what kind of pie he likes. I told that story on Fesco in the morning. They got kicked out of school for one day because I said that exact line to a teacher. Straight up. Never been kicked out for that. Been suspended, but not kicked out. Is in school. I got a, I had plenty of those. We had a trailer set up because I went to the school called Hall McCarter, and their detention was two trailers. Like, that's just where you went. Bar Harbor, Maine, blueberry pie. Player's Steakhouse had a good cherry pie a couple years ago. The other thing that I don't understand about when we talk about these pies on pie day is, did you know people put American cheese on their apple pie? So I didn't know that. but So that's like a thing. It's a, it, My grandfather eats Oreos and American cheese, like a slice of cheese on his Oreo. So that's maybe weird. the same vein. Banana cream pie is really good. You know what's also a good pie is uh, Corner Cafe. They have a... Uh, they have a banana split pie, and it's gnarly. Five six three, not reading the text. You can try me, ain't happening. I don't think cobbler counts as pie. I think it counts as cobbler. McDonald's nineteen ninety nine, the two for a dollar apple pie can't beat it. Used to be that way, just like Arby's used to have the five for five. Now it's two for seven. How the world changes is beyond me. Saw moon pies. You know, that's like kind of nostalgia for me. I don't mind them. I'm not really the hugest marshmallow guy. But, you know, on Pi Day and the out of left field question, this is where we're at. You know, this is what we do on this show. So people are like, well, what are you doing, man? Why are you not talking about sports? We'll get back to it. Dusty, I'm so sorry I had to go to Hall McCarter. Went to Brittany Hill, George Out Baker, and then Moreland Ridge is where I did eighth grade. Yeah, it was tough. That's where the, the the kids from the streets came out. Dusty, why you got to talk crap on pecan pie, brother? Come on, man. It's my favorite. There we go. A little but, love for the pecans. But to each their own. Mark from St. Joe. Somebody said the apple empanadas from Taco Bell were fire. Yes, they were. I was never a cinnamon twist guy ever. Never seen Pulp Fiction, American cheese on apple pie. Bruce Willis's French girlfriend. I like your motorcycle. It's not a motorcycle, baby. It's a chopper. What happened to Zed? Zed's dead. Yeah. No, not uh, peeled skin pie, courtesy of Gold Member, I think. I don't think it's Gold Finger. Gold Finger was Sean Connery uh, in a Bond film. Uh, Reggie from Anaheim says sweet potato pie. I will say this at Walmart. A buddy of mine at, at my other job, Larry Dawson is his name, for those of you that know this OG. Patty LaBelle sweet potato pie might be one of the best sweet potato pies you ever eat. If you ever want to like smack your lips, Patty LaBelle sweet potato pie is where it's at. 
probably a lot better than the 816's cow pie reference. Yeah. Still gross, but we can say it. But if you eat those, there might be some magical mushrooms under there that might make you see things in another dimension. Shepherd's pie is a strong one. You a big shepherd's pie fan? I like shepherd's pie. I'm, I'm Irish, so I like a lot of the Irish uh, cuisine. Or I guess British, depending on how you know how you want to classify that one. I'm a fat boy at heart. All pie is good. My mom makes an Oreo cream pie to die for. Absolutely. Somebody says, Dusty, Perkins' French silk pie is amazing. Another good pie is homemade custard pie. There's a Perkins right by my place. I didn't know they had good French silk pie. I have to try that out. 323, not reading it. Moon pies were ruined when they doubled them. They doubled them? Cherry pie split with, with whipped cream. Why is it got to be split? I think it's cherry split pie, not cherry pie split. Oh, cherry split pie with whipped cream. What's cherry split pie? I don't know what that means. Oatmeal cream pie? Those the little solid. ones? Yeah, those are those are so the big ones are too egregious. They're too much. Does that mean fudge rounds count? You ever had one of those? I have not. That also sounds sexual. Sweet potato pie. You can't believe I don't like Patty LaBelle's sweet potato pie. It's amazing. No, cheesecake is not a pie. Cheesecake is just in a category it's of its own. And pizza doesn't count. But, man, if we did pizza, we'd have been all over the board. All you nasty freaks out there sending in explicit types of pies. I can't believe you guys. It's like you listen to this show nightly. But man, I need a key lime pie now in my life. You know, I can make a key lime pie pretty easily. only takes like three ingredients. See, we, we tried to make a key lime pie. It's my grandfather's favorite, and it ended up being key lime soup. Still not bad, but just a totally different texture. Key lime soup? Uh, essentially is what oh, it turned what into. It turned into? Yeah, you got to freeze that thing for a while. Chicken pot pie is the best. Hey, tell you what, man. Costco chicken. Is there anything Costco makes that isn't good? Costco's just figured it out. That's all I know. Gates barbecue yammer pie. Never had that. 913-586-7610. Keep bringing them in. This is After Hours with Blake. Dusty Likens here on 610 Sports Radio. Neil from Lone Jack says, guys, anything all above, but primarily cherry and homemade mentioned Denny's has some decent pies. Neil from Lone Jack. And then from the 310, all y'all need to go to church. Hey, man. I'm the one that says we can't cuss on Sunday shows. I'm the one that came up with the idea to have a swear jar. Got the Lord on my side. Trying to do some work here. Somebody from the 563, the Dexter Key Lime Pie episode. I don't know if I remember that. I probably should go back and watch um, a little bit of Dexter. It just ended very poorly. I just, the last couple of seasons of Dexter were just absolutely atrocious and hard to get through. Maria Callender's Apple Crisp Cinnamon. Maria Callender's also makes a killer pot pie as well. Costco makes a really good pie. It's like a apple with like caramel drizzle on top. So when you heat it up, the caramel gets soft. Um, and then there you go. 
816, the ones who go to church are the ones that are the most judgmental. So shove it, buddy. All right, all right, all right, all right. Let's let's take it easy. Let's take. Uh, that a sounds breath. pretty judgy to me. Let's take a breath. Cheesecake is technically a tart, so put that to rest. Gooseberry and French silk are a top three, no questions. And if you come at me with the dirt pie or mud pie, I'll fight you. I used to like at uh, Freddy's when I was younger, get the little dirt cup. It was like chocolate pudding, Oreo crumbles, and you got that little that little worm daddy that was hidden in there. You always try to find that first. But again, this is After Hours on 610 Sports Radio. Dusty Likens with you, Blake with you as well. Um, we talked about it earlier in the show, and Adam Schefter kind of gave us a, well, he kind of gave us a reason on why, perhaps, maybe, the Orlando Brown Jr. saga that is existing in the NFL today is not going the way he wants it to go. Adam Schefter had this to say today on NFL Live. I think the Chicago Bears make this move. I think it's taking so long, Schefter. You would know more than me because it's going to be a mega deal. That's not why. Mm. That's not why. Essentially, it was a case where I think that Orlando Brown was talking to the Chiefs. The deal didn't get done. The Chiefs moved on with Juwan Taylor. And now Orlando Brown is looking to find a new home. The Bears were in on Mike McGlinchey, didn't get him. He went to Denver. Chicago would seem to make a lot of sense. But he wants a lot of money. And some teams were thinking in other areas. I don't know if they realize he's a left tackle. Not a right tackle. No, the league views him as a right tackle. He wants to be paid as a left tackle. And so I think that also enters into it. There's a a whole host of factors here that are playing in. And I'll say this also. If you're a free agent, a top free agent, your deal needs to be agreed to almost always on the first day of free agency. Money. If it's not agreed to on the first day from there, the prices usually begin to slide. Oh, out. boy. Well, I did not think they looked at him like that. So when you hear that in that audio, there's a couple of key points that stick out at least the most for me. One is probably the humble realization that Orlando Brown Jr., from what he was getting from Chiefs camp, A, was probably not what he was wanting at all. They were looking to pay him a certain amount. He didn't like it. He's testing free agency. They didn't want to franchise tag him either. And now he's out there in the free agency market, and he's not being signed. And there was a lot of people that thought he was a top free agent in the offensive tackle department. The other thing that's interesting that Schefter kind of alludes to in that audio is that the league is not stalling on Orlando Brown. The league is stalling on the fact that he thinks he's a left tackle, and they want to pay him like a right tackle. The pressures that he allowed, the tendencies that maybe he was causing on the offensive line for Patrick Mahomes to maybe get out of protection before he probably had to. It shows on the tape. And when lots of money are involved and people are willing to give you a ton of money, they're going to pick you apart. And I remember this quite vividly from the Derek Jeter documentary that they did, which I wasn't thinking that I was going to be into it. And then it was really interesting, especially when you talked about his part with A-Rod. But the thing that Derek Jeter brought up that was really kind of eye-opening and also just kind of humbling from a standpoint of where you can have these takes about what people will make is the fact that Derek Jeter had gone to arbitration with the Yankees. And he wanted more money 
they wanted to give them a certain amount. And when they went to these conversations, they brought up all these little snippets of what maybe he shouldn't be doing or where he was struggling in the field or in the batter's box. And they really kind of knocked him down a peg or two. Now, you think about Derek Jeter and his career, captain of the Yankees, Hall of Famer, 3,000 hits, all the, all the above, and the accolades that he made, all the All-Stars, World Series championships, and everything like that. And the fact that even people like Derek Jeter, when it comes to contract negotiations or it comes to getting paid a certain amount of money, even guys like Derek Jeter get knocked down a peg. And this is something that Orlando Brown Jr. is seeing today. The other thing that makes me really positive out of this news is that Brett Veach is never going to do what's bad for business. There are many GMs out there that do bad things for business. Some of those GMs are no longer in the NFL because of these situations. But the thing that's interesting about this is that Brett Veach basically sat down with Orlando Brown Jr.'s camp. Orlando Brown Jr. now going into free agency with his second-year agent. And he's finding it hard to get into an agreement with other teams. And there are teams with money to spend Chicago bears. That was the first team I thought was going to throw him a check and say, Hey, come play left tackle for us. Then maybe they saw the tapes. Maybe they saw the records. Maybe they saw the pressures and they think to themselves, Hey, here's the question. Maybe there was too much given up. And on good morning football, they had this to say about what it means with the addition of subtraction with Orlando Brown jr. And the addition of, Newly acquired Chiefs tackle. I don't know what just happened. So I tell you, we talked about his performance leading up to the Super Bowl, how it was going to be an impact on whether or not they could win the Super Bowl if he could contain Hassan Reddick. And he balled out. He had probably one of the, probably the best game of his career mm-hmm. in the Super Bowl. And you know what happens? He, he got paid. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm happy for Andrew Wiley. I'm happy that a guy who wasn't a you know, high draft pick and you know he kind of had to earn his spot, Happy they got paid by the Washington Commanders. It's a big loss. So they signed Jawan Taylor. And to your point and that, to your question, Jawan Taylor's probably not going to play right tackle. Like, he's going to end up playing left tackle, which is exactly what the Chiefs did a couple years ago when they signed Orlando Brown from the Baltimore Ravens, who was originally a right tackle and ended up playing left tackle uh, for Ronnie Stanley. So I think this is actually a huge upgrade athletically for the Chiefs because mm. Jawan Taylor is a much more athletic tackle. You're going to see him out pulling in place like you saw him out there. He's much more athletic um, in his past sets. Orlando Brown, a little bit more of a mauler. Orlando Brown, he, he had a, a rough year last year at left tackle. He gave up a lot of pressures, a lot of quarterback mm. hits. Uh, Jawan Taylor, I think he gave up 16 pressures all of last season. So it's an upgrade from a pass protection standpoint. The run game, a little bit different. So I'll be curious to see how, that, how they handle that. But with Mahomes, he's going to love having an athletic guy out there on his left side. So erroneous on the run game. Because you're not really worried about that when it comes to this Chiefs offense. But where it's not erroneous is when you look at the physical, athletic type of player. And if there's one thing that the Chiefs can convince a kid to do when he comes over to this team is to say, hey, we did this with Orlando Brown Jr. and it worked. It could work better with you. And the reason that I do truly believe that is because yesterday we played this cut. And this is from Jeff Schwartz as he joined the drive. But I thought what Jeff Schwartz had to say when it comes to the trust of this offensive line makes a lot of sense. I think when he says that the Chiefs can convert him over there, you look at the athleticism, you think about the pressures that he allowed last year. Yes, Dewan Taylor played right tackle, but 
trust that you can have in this Chiefs team and this Chiefs coaching staff to convert somebody who is insanely athletic. Again, he's 6'5", 312 pounds. That's a big dude. And if he's athletic and he can really protect somebody like Patrick Mahomes, who he's proven to protect, and somebody like Trevor Lawrence, not quite the quarterback, but a franchise type of quarterback, this is what you have to have when it comes to the trust via a former offensive lineman in the league. There's only really two or three offensive line coaches I trust in the NFL um, to, to handle this um, with you just I just trust them and Andy Heck is one of them Jeff, Jeff Stalin in Philly is the other one um, Callahan probably at the Browns is the third um, where if Andy Heck says hey um, we think Taylor can play left tackle let's put him left tackle I'm like yes coach I, I believe in you right? I mean look what, what he's done throughout his career in Jacksonville and now obviously what he's done with Kansas City all the years with Andy Reid so if Andy Heck thinks this is something that that, that that can be done. I'm all for it. Yeah, if it was another team um, that that said, hey, we're, we're going to sign Tanner and put him left tackle, I'd be like, oh, I, I'm not quite sure about that. But I think Kansas City deserves the benefit of the doubt when it comes to their offensive line. I look how many guys they've developed over the years um, and what they've done at that position, and I think you'd be pretty happy with the results. So I, I trust them. So, again, former offensive lineman, giving you evidence to trust. Brett Veach, again, giving you evidence to trust because he didn't overpay, refused to overpay, and knew that the market for Orlando Brown Jr. wasn't going to be there, what he thought it was going to be there. So now what? Do you play the role of, hey, man, it didn't work out. You want to come play right tackle for the Chiefs? We're going to put this more athletic guy on the left side for the Chiefs. You could then get a lot of money as the top right tackle, which will then maybe be a little less than what maybe you were expecting to get as a top five left tackle, which you're not, which is fine. But again, the humbling days of the NFL and what Adam Schefter said is the days go on, the money gets a little bit less and less. So it'll be interesting to see where the Orlando Brown Jr. saga continues tomorrow. we got to go to a break, but when we come back on the other side, Juju Smith-Schuster, Chris Jones, the two important free agents, not technically all of them are free agents, but two important signings left on the Chiefs board. Blake, Dusty, After Hours on 610 Sports Radio. NFL, the Detroit Lions have agreed to a contract with David Montgomery. So the Chicago Bears depth chart last year loses its RB1. You would assume that they will either make a trade or they will move Khalil Herbert, who was really good for them last year and showed a lot of good signs as a promising running back. He had 129 attempts. He averaged 5.7 yards per carry, had four touchdowns. And then injuries plagued him. He also was good out of the passing field as he had nine for 57, averaging 6.3 yards in reception with one touchdown. So uh, Khalil Herbert, the uh, new lead back in the Chicago Bears. Interesting. Because now what? Detroit has DeAndre Swift, Jamal Williams, and David Montgomery. No way they're keeping all three of those running backs. Also some notable notes out of the NFL, the Bills, have now restructured contracts with Stefan Diggs. Today they did that just recently. They restructured his contract to save money. They've also restructured contracts with Josh Allen and Von Miller. So the Bills quietly but efficiently making room uh, 
for their depth chart. Now, I think they were also, like, in cap jail, so they had to make some money because they had a lot of money involved, but they're making some some moves money-wise to possibly make moves elsewhere. Well, and they got rid of Tremaine Edmonds as well. Mm-hmm. Is the Is the window for the Bills over? Is it closing, or is it over? I think it's stalling. I don't necessarily think it's over because of the talent that Josh Allen is, but it's given me a lot of like mid 2000 charger vibes. I'm not doing it yet, but it's, it's, it's kind of screaming. Like maybe there's a little bit of Philip Riverness in Josh Allen. Now I do think that he is insanely more talented, but it seems like career wise, like really good in the regular season, never pans out in the playoffs consistently chasing a divisional foe. And then by the end of it, everyone looks at them as a crybaby, right? Like Phillip Rivers was always smack talking, getting into stuff. What did Josh Allen do a few times last year and in years prior? You remember the AFC Championship game, right? When he's in the middle of the field and he's trying to start some stuff with a Chiefs defensive lineman and then a whole fight breaks out. But again, the news that just came out is Bills, or sorry, Bears running back David Montgomery is staying in the NFC North and signing with the Lions per Tom Pelissero. Uh, that more than likely means the end of Jamal Williams in Detroit. What a year he had, too, man. Led the league in touchdowns. That's somebody that screams Vegas. Like, if Josh Jacobs is out and they're rebuilding that team and trying to figure something out, Jamal Williams screams Vegas. Guy you take a one, two-year flyer on, team option on the third or the second, see what he can do, play hungry, new place, new face. Had a pretty decent year last year for the Lions. Wasn't he, like, scoring touchdowns like five straight weeks or six straight weeks or something like that. I mean, he led the league in, in rushing, or I think, I think in total touchdowns, but definitely in rushing touchdowns. Yeah. He was, he was doing something. That's crazy, man. The Detroit lions and running back Jamal Williams are far apart in negotiations. Buffalo bills, Carolina Panthers, Chicago bears, Cincinnati Bengals are all teams that are among interested in the mix for one Jamal Williams. So there's your answer. I would have said bears. That'd be funny if they just, like, swapped running backs. They just go from David Montgomery to Jamal Williams. I feel bad for Khalil Herbert because I feel like Khalil Herbert is their their clear-cut answer at running back. Now, again, the Bears have some money to spend, so who knows what they're going to do when it comes to that. But, man, it just doesn't stop, does it? Well, that, that also gives – I mean, makes sense for the Bears. Like, let's say they went that route. Makes sense for the Bears because the Bears get uh, mm-hmm. a solid one, two, maybe three down back in Khalil Herbert. But Jamal Williams is a great security blanket because he can catch the ball out of the backfield. He mainly is a huge goal line presence, which I don't know how much Khalil really was in that offense. Mm-hmm. But now they have solidified number one and a solid number two, kind of like the Chiefs use Pacheco and McKinnon. Yeah, you're going to start seeing that more often. Now, I know that we've seen that a lot throughout the NFL and its history, but I think that's kind of coming back around because I think what we're seeing is that the market is, is heavily set on wide receivers and the skill set that is slot receiver, outside receiver, tight ends are even more efficient. And now it's more so like, well, instead of just like paying one running back a ton of money that doesn't go well because running backs future is like three to four years max. It's like, why don't we just get one guy that's really, you know, efficiently fast and another one that's just good at either pass blocking or catching passes. That's kind of been the mantra for the NFL for like the last, what, four or five years? Somebody from the 913 says, dare I say the Chiefs signed Jamal Williams? I mean, the teams that they listed that were interested didn't really have anything for that. Now, the Cincinnati Bengals, that's where I feel like Austin Eckler's going. Because Austin Eckler today was one of those 
it kind of came out yesterday, but this was one of those things today where it was like he officially is out seeking a trade uh, between him and the Chargers and another team. Cincinnati seems like a team that might do that. But kind of to go back on this Bills talk of like where the Bills are, I think last year was the Bills' year to solidify their state in the AFC. Now, granted, at the end of the season, they had a tragic incident happen. You know, the DeMar Hamlin thing was earth-shattering and kind of changed the direction that maybe some of those guys' mindset was on that roster. But again, the thing that's really important about the Bills that you can kind of draw a comparison to the Chiefs is that this is the start of the second wave for the Buffalo Bills. You have your wide receiver one. You have your QB one. I guess Dawson Knox is is decent enough to be considered your franchise tight end. I think he's talented enough for that. And when you look at where these teams are moving, the Chiefs survived that second wave. Not only that, they crushed that second wave. In a year in which a lot of people said that they were rebuilding, and then they thought that the Chiefs gaslighted that because everybody wanted to forget like they said that, like they all looked into the men in black pen and mind erased. It was said, it was thought, and it was a narrative for a lot of national guys. But the Chiefs survived that second wave because of contracts and, you know, letting guys go. We compared it last night, Blake, to uh, Game of Thrones. You fall in love with the character, and the next thing you know, you watch the next episode, boom, dead. Right? That's just kind of the way the Chiefs have done this. That's a tough business in a big business world. And I think Buffalo, fair to say, has stalled out. Now, this second to last segment of this show completely be debunked tomorrow when the bills go out and sign a slew of players and made room in their contracts and all that kind of stuff. And the text line says it, you know, Von Miller is washed two ACL surgeries on the same knee. Maybe he looked pretty good when he was healthy this year, but again, the injury happened. So you have to have a little bit of thought process with that. And the fact that, you know, Josh Allen, here we are quarterback that was praised for two full years as the second best quarterback in the AFC, which we know that's the conference for the for all quarterbacks. That's where the quarterbacks start ranking, right? And in fact, we're about to get Aaron Rodgers over to New York, which means you're going to have more quarterbacks in the AFC. Jimmy Garoppolo, I'm just kidding. But the thing about this is, is that you're seeing, you know, you're seeing quarterbacks get surpassed year in and year out because of talent and big-time wins. Joe Burrow goes to a Super Bowl. Joe Burrow goes back to an AFC Championship game. Joe Burrow passes Josh Allen in the respect field of who's the better quarterback. I think we would all still rank Josh Allen as probably the third-best quarterback in the AFC, but who's to say this year that Khalil Herbert and Trevor Lawrence don't surpass him as well? We'll see what the Bills do. They're making money. Somebody from the text line says to Jamal Williams, do the Bills make sense? Maybe. Goal line presence athletic doesn't have to be the main guy they still got what singletary is that his name and cook yeah they just went out and got him last year so i think they need a new tight end i'm not sold on dawson knox he had a hot year go ahead and um the fact that he's he is injury prone and they don't seem to use him as much in the red zone as they were when he had the hot year they they tailed off for like two years in a row now on him so i'm not sure why so we have breaking news for the kansas city chiefs Jordan Schultz reports it breaking free agent D tackle Charles. I don't know how to say this last name, so I need some pronunciation help. Omen Hugh, I don't know. O M E N I H U is signing a two year, 20 million max dollar deal with the Kansas City Chiefs. Source tell the score. He's coming off his best season, tallying 16 quarterback hits, 
28 initial pressures with the 49ers. He's only 25 years old. So the Chiefs have made a signing. They signed free agent D-tackle. See, this is where I could have a promo on 610. Can't say the guy's name. I think you're pretty close. Omen, Omenihu. Omenihu. Charles Omenihu. Free agent D-tackle Charles Omenihu is signing a two-year deal, $20 million max deal with the Kansas City Chiefs source tell um, the score from Jordan Schultz. He is coming off his best season, tallying 16 quarterback hits, 28 initial pressures with the San Francisco 49ers. Omaniu's only 25 years old. Chiefs land a defensive tackle on a two-year, $20 million max deal. What does this mean for Chris Jones and negotiations for a contract extension? We finish up the show on the other side on 610 Sports Radio. Breaking news out of the world of the Chiefs camp as they have signed Reggie you can get mad at me all you want man you've been on my ass all day but I'm telling you what Twitter's telling me and it says defensive tackle so you can agree to disagree with me all you want all day man but I'm just telling you what what Twitter has said breaking Free agent defensive tackle Charles Omaniu is signing a two-year, $20 million max deal with the Chiefs. Source tell the score. He's coming off his best season, tallying 16 quarterback hits and 28 initial pressures with 49ers. Omaniu is only 25 years old as the Chiefs make another move for more youth. See, now I could see where he might have a point because they do play a 3-4, and in that they are considered D-tackles, but they are D-ends. And again, I'm not disagreeing with anybody. I'm just telling you exactly what they uh, and what they uh, what they said on Twitter. So he's a defensive tackle, probably a DN. Matt Verderam tweets: intriguing deal for KC. Omenu is a quality pass rusher who will be a bigger pass rusher at 280 pounds. He had four and a half sacks last season for San Francisco after having none. Each of the prior two years, he also mentions he should be also. It should also be noted that Omaniu was arrested in January for suspicious of misdemeanor domestic violence before being released after posting bail. So more to come on Omaniu signing with the Chiefs. So a little bit of breaking news to end our show today. Like I say all the time. In fact, I even tweeted it today that we weren't even done. Even tweeted the Bill Nye dance video. That's how excited these things can be, man. Like, you just, you never know, you know? Apparently, the Chiefs are going for youth. Looks like there's a little bit of a, a scoff in the man's history. Um, but either way, the breaking news that comes out, the Chiefs are signing Charles Omenio to a two-year, $20 million max contract via Jordan Schultz. He is an NFL insider for the score. He does have an Instagram, a TikTok, a YouTube page, and he's a former college hooper. So there's your credit. Free agency is wild, man. Just wild. You just never know. That's why these shows are so fun, because a lot of this information will come out later. So then the media can gather their information before the breaking news, but they do forget that this program goes from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. This program won't be on tomorrow night. 
Uh, tomorrow night you will have uh, the one and done show where you'll get your KU, K-State, Mizzou coverage as the tournament is really gets real on Thursday. Again, Reggie, I'm not arguing with you, man. I'm just reading what I was, what was reported. If he's a DN, he's a DN. It just said D-tackle. Damn, man. Tough living in these streets. Breaking news happens and I get scoffed for it in two seconds. Give me a break. I read what Jordan Schultz breaks. You come after me. Tell you what, Thursday night, you can come have this job, 7 to 9, if you can convince Steven Spector. Just trying to do my job, man. But that is the evening breaking news. The Chiefs add depth to their defensive line, age. Also tonight, um, Royals are in action. Zach Grinke was tallied as throwing a pitch at 47 miles per hour. He's always trying to break the record for the slowest pitch ever. I wonder what the slowest pitch ever is. 47 seems like it's got to be close. It was either, I think it either might be him, because I know he was going back and forth with somebody for a couple of years, but it could also be anybody who ever threw an EFIS pitch. Sam McDowell, the Kansas City Star reports, Steve Spagnuolo should have some moving Charles Omaniu around. He lined up 364 snaps outside, 144 over the tackle, over the tackle, and 138 as defensive tackle last year. Numbers from Pro Football Focus. Again, I'm just reporting what people are saying. That's what I'm here to do. I'm not saying I know more than anybody else. I'm just telling you what the people are reporting. But it's like this is the perfect type of Spags guy, right? Big, solid, meaty, athletic, and can kind of use him in different ways. Ron Cobb Jr. of Arrowhead, their lead analyst who joined the show last night, 85 and a half inch wingspan, 97th percentile for a lineman, 36 inch arms, 97th percentile, 36 and a half inch vertical, 91 percentile. Came into the league long, explosive, and still is one. Fits the Chiefs very well. Again, Chiefs signing Charles Omeniu from San Francisco, who coming off one of his better years. Matt Verderum continues. Omeniu didn't have any sacks between Texans and 49ers in 2021. He had four sacks for Houston in 2020. But again, coming off his best season, tallying 16 quarterback hits and 28 initial pressures with the 49ers. So another signing for the Chiefs as the days go on. They get somebody that fits the system for Steve Spagnola. It completely shifts the way we wanted to end this show. I was going to tell Blake how much I love him. I still have time for that, so. Love you too, buddy. There you go. Reggie says, I'm not breaking your balls, man. Just pass you down what I have. I know. That's what I'm doing, man. I just, you know, I'm just a little sour, you know, because I think I'm going to lose that Chipotle bet. And I'd love nothing more than to have, you know, a little Venmo cash from Reggie from Anaheim to let me go to Chipotle. Couldn't tell you last time I've been there. 
But again, the breaking news tonight, Charles Omenio from the San Francisco 49ers signs with the Kansas City Chiefs two-year, $20 million max deal. Uh, he'll fit right into the system with Spags. Everybody seems to kind of think that this is a move that fits the Chiefs, um, something that they can use in the Spagnola system, rotate him inside-outside. Boy, him, Chris Jones, and Carl Loftus, or as some of the people that have reached out to me is, my buddy Robert says that there's probably a possibility this is your new Frank Clark move. Just get a bunch of big dudes on the defensive line that are nasty and mean and get the ball back in 15's hands. That's the end-all, be-all goal. Thanks for all the text line tonight. As it was International Pie Day, I think Key Lime Pie won. I don't know. Saw a lot of blueberries. Yeah, blueberries. That's a solid point. I'm down with that. Thanks for all your help tonight, Blake. Appreciate it as always, man. Good energy. Building relationships day by day. I'm Dusty Likens. For all of you out there in Kansas City, stay safe, have fun, go do something nice for somebody because we could use it in this crazy mixed-up world that we live in. Have a good night. Stay safe, Kansas City. We'll talk to you on Thursday night from 7 to 9. You'll get Vern's Hot Stove from 6 to 7. You'll get one and done tomorrow night on 610 Sports Radio.